0: Welcome into this week's edition of Tuesday's Are for Talking. I am your host, Nathan Brown. This week, I got the chance to sit down with Pastors Brett Milliken and Corey Sullivan to discuss the Mosaic Church discipleship process. That's right, discipleship process. What is that? We're going to talk about the four E's, what it looks like to engage disciples, what it looks like to establish, to equip, and finally to empower. Let's get right into this week's conversation with Pastor Brett and Pastor Corey. Here we go. Pastor Corey, Pastor Brett, I'm so glad to be with y'all today on this podcast. I'm really excited to talk about this because it's something we haven't really had a great opportunity to talk about with our church at large since we've started to put some names and some location spaces, if you will, into our discipleship process. So I'm excited to get into this with y'all today. But we do know we have people listening to the podcast who may not even know y'all and may be listening from other locations. And so I do want to just take a minute and let you introduce yourselves. I'll, I'll start with Corey first and then we'll go to Brett. So how are you doing today, Corey?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with Pastor Brett and with you, Nathan. I'm an associate pastor at Mosaic Church, a newbie on the block. I still call myself a newbie. I'm going three years in. I really am highly involved in the prayer ministry at Mosaic and the women's ministry at Mosaic and now walking alongside with Pastor Brett in the discipleship process as we engage and get ready to roll this out, what we have been doing and where we are going for our church and for those who attend Mosaic.
0: Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. Pastor Brett, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I mean, we, we did hear last week or a couple weeks ago that, that Morgan has officially advocated the role of greatest athlete to you. What, what do you say about that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard his comment about, it depends on what sport we're playing. I would highly agree and, and confirm with that, that if we're playing baseball, it's Morgan is the, he is the mastermind of that one. Put a pig skin in our hands and I'll, I'll probably take the take the competition of that one. But yeah, now Morgan, Pastor Morgan is a stellar athlete in his own right. And we've had some, some really good, you know, competitions in time. And when we lived in Flugerville together, having lots of one-on-one basketball games at the Pflugerville rec center, where it was, it was back and forth, man. He'd win. I'd win. He'd win. I win. And then eventually we would both just get too tired and old to keep playing and we'd just go home. So it was great. But yeah. So my name's Brett Milliken been here in Austin, Texas, Since 2002, my wife and I were both born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Both went to the University of Georgia where I played football there and my wife was a cheerleader there. And then we spent a little bit of time in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was playing with the Colts. And while we were at the Colts, we got connected with a ministry that was based out of the church here in Austin, Texas. So when my very short-lived NFL career came to a screeching halt we, we came out here to visit some friends and were asked to move out here and launch a youth ministry for the church at the time. Prayed about it, felt like some what God was telling us to do. And so in 2002, we packed up the old Asuzu Rodeo with everything we owned as newlyweds, having been married just over a year and having already lived in three different cities. We, we added Austin, Texas, to the mix. Drove out here in August of 02, and I will never forget, we arrived at 10 o'clock at night, and when I opened the door for my air-conditioned vehicle, it was 97 degrees at 10 p.m. I looked at my wife, and I said, Dear God, what have we done? <laughs> and we, 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 we've been here ever since. So I've done youth ministry here for over a decade, transitioned uh, out of that just a few years back into doing missions and community groups and discipleship stuff. And now my primary focus is the executive pastor of community where I oversee our community group structure and our pastoral care ministry.
1: You know, Brett, if I'm the newbie on the block, you're definitely the OG
2: (laughs) OG. (laughs) on the pastoral
1: heart hallway.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a minute as they say. It
1: has been a minute. It's been a minute for you.
0: I think you're the, you're the longest tenured person on our staff. Is that accurate? That that is
2: correct. Not not the longest tenured in the church. That would go to Dave De Stefano, but I am the longest tenured on staff for consecutive years, you know. Morgan as he said a couple weeks ago, he was here for 9 years and then went to Nashville for 2 years and came back. But yeah, as far as consecutive number of years on staff, I, I seem to hold the hold the trophy for that
0: one. Well, Brett, you definitely worked and lived through some some challenging years, and I'm sure that a lot of the challenges you experienced during those years went into the formulation of what does it look like to, as you term it, to gospel people, and to to disciple people, and to make disciples, and not just church attenders and all of that. And you know, I certainly have learned a lot from you and watching your passion be expressed in that. And I think that Mosaic Church has done a pretty decent job of doing that, but up until recently, we maybe haven't done the best job of explaining that. And so that's what this podcast really is about, is for our local church, for our community to hear some language and to put some words to what it looks like to grow as a follower of Jesus, to grow in community, to grow as a disciple of Christ at Mosaic Church. So a while back, as a as a team, we sort of commissioned Pastor Brett and Pastor Corey to really take the lead. The, the lead on putting together a framework and a language, a nomenclature, if you will, for for what it means to become a disciple at Mosaic. So let me just go back to Brett and I'll kind of take us through what that looked like to get started on that road, what things were important to you. And then as you and Corey began to work, I'll just tell us the story of how this came together and, of course, lead us through it on the way.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think to your point a second ago of what we've been through as a church over the years, really did heavily influence kind of where we have arrived at today. And that in in the past, this church has gone through, you know, a couple of different transitions where previous leadership, the idea of church, the idea of discipleship really had kind of veered off into two different ditches where on, on, on one side it had early on when I first moved here, the idea of discipleship was
1: pretty heavy handed,
2: pretty controlling. Just not a healthy, not a healthy way of being a gospel community, in my opinion. And then the next leadership structure that came in kind of swung the pendulum to the other side where it was almost non-existent. And it became all about a Sunday morning experience where people were just spectators, basically a a religious business, if you want to put it that way, whose job was to just put people in seats and, and dollars in the in the budget. And so when when Pastor Morgan came back in, in January of 2010, and we all kind of collectively sat down and and asked ourselves, man, what is a New Testament church supposed to look like? What is discipleship really meant to be? And as we searched the scriptures and we felt like we came up with some answers that the Holy Spirit was leading us to, we kind of launched into that. And, and it really has taken a number of years um, to figure out kind of <clears throat> what that looks like what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be doing it, what's the best way to do it? Um, because we're not married to any one program. Our desire is to make disciples, and and so if we find a better way to do that, then we'll scrap what we're currently doing and move on to to what that is. But the, where we arrived at today really launched with Pastor Corey and myself <laughs> sitting in my office and really just kind of starting from scratch. I mean, our, our approach to this was we didn't want to take anything for granted. We didn't want to come with any assumptions. We didn't want to come even with the, the assumption of, well, what we're currently doing has to somehow fit into what we're going to be doing. I mean, we, we really came with, with nothing baked. And the first question we asked ourselves was the very basic question, what is discipleship? Because again, we didn't want to try to pigeonhole what we were currently doing into something. We wanted to really seek the heart of God seek the wisdom of of scripture and the Holy Spirit and and see where God was wanting to take us. Uh, And so we asked the question, what is discipleship? And we talked through that and debated through that and and kind of struggled and wrestled and prayed through what is the idea of discipleship all about? And, And where we arrived at with that was going back to Genesis 1, where it says that we've been made in the image and likeness of God and understanding the meaning of that to be that to be made in God's image is to be his image bearer, to be his reflection out into the world. An um, ancient culture, you know, the writer of Genesis is writing into an ancient culture where they would have understood temple mindset, temple theology, where when you went to worship a god, you would go to the temple, and in the middle of that temple, there would be an altar for your sacrifice and a statue, which was the image representation of that god. And so when you see the, the writing, the writer of Genesis laying out this idea of of God setting this structured place known as the Garden of Eden in the midst of the chaos of creation, the untameness of creation, and that God is coming to dwell in this garden, you see that the writer is painting a picture of a temple. And the last thing God places in that temple is his image, the image bearer, Adam and Eve. And so our understanding of discipleship is, well, if we're meant to be the reflection of who God is out into the world, like an angled mirror reflecting who he is out into the world, then it would make sense that if sin has pulled us away from that purpose, then the purpose of the gospel and of discipleship is to restore us to that purpose. And so we we went down that path for a little ways. And, And what that brought us to was really in the Colossians 1, where Paul says that Christ is the image of the invisible God then it means what Christ came to do was to not just to to die for our sins so that we could go to heaven someday, but he came to be the fulfillment of what Adam couldn't do. He came to be the fulfillment of what Israel couldn't do. He came to be fulfillment of what mankind couldn't do by being the perfect image bearer, the representation of who God is and what his kingdom is all about out into the world. And so if he is the image of the invisible God. And our purpose is to be the image of the invisible God then what we arrived at was discipleship then means being conformed to the image of Christ because the more we look like Jesus the more we're reconciled and restored to our original design of reflecting who God is out into the world. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to cut you off real quick. (laughs) This is the the epitome of the difference between me and Pastor Brett. He immediately goes to hope. He immediately just gets to the finish line. He knows where we're going. He knows where we're going to end up. Meanwhile, all I'm thinking about is the struggle, the struggle that we had with defining discipleship, what discipleship looked like. I remember going to our deacon team and asking them, what does discipleship look like? For you guys, how would you define it? How would you frame discipleship at Mosaic or in your previous churches or your your faith background? And for every person that answered, they had a different answer. Yes. And I we realized that discipleship was different depending on your background. Um, And so we really had to simplify. We had to wrestle with those different backgrounds, whether conservative or liberal or more charismatic or more uh, of a structured faith background. You know, the Baptists that that I grew up in, where the discipleship was Bible study. It was rehearsing scriptures, knowing them, memorizing them. I didn't really flow in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know nothing about the Holy Spirit at the time when it came to discipleship and how He would lead me. But I think that in our struggle, there were a little bit of two or maybe even more parties at Mosaic at the time we started wrestling with the question. There were the OGs, like Pastor Brett, who really built the discipleship process at the time it was CCC. And we realized that as our church was in transition and it was growing by the grace of God, people were coming in and they were taking the membership class and foundations and going into grow classes and getting in community groups. And yet they were still asking the question, what does discipleship look like at Mosaic? And so that's when we started asking ourselves, now, why is it that we know what discipleship looks like at Mosaic, to be in community, to grow in relationship with Christ, to engage with others in in our growth, in our process of learning who God is, the character of who He is, how do we become more like Jesus? But that wasn't being translated in a clear and really concise way. And I think that's what me and Pastor Brett were really trying to build was an answer to what does it look like at Mosaic, because we are a unique church. And so that takes a little bit more wrestling when we think about our local body and who we minister to and who we're called to walk this discipleship process out with. And so I love that you went to Genesis, and I love that you went to Colossians, <laughs> but I think the wrestling was a big part of why we landed where we landed, because we did hear from others. mean, you did friendly debate in your office. <laughs> of what what does it mean that discipleship is a relationship? You have, to, you have to define that. So I, I do think that discipleship is growing relationship with Christ and others. But to define what that looks like at Mosaic took a work.
2: It, it did. And to Corey's point, we asked lots of leaders in our church those questions. And f- for every 10 people we asked, we got 15 answers. <laughs> you know, people would have multiple answers, they'd go back and, and change it. But I think what our pursuit was, to, to Pastor Corey's point, was Again, not to try to come up with a program, but to come up with a, a theology first that we could then build a philosophy out of. And so when we landed at, well, discipleship is being conformed to the image of Christ, then the, the next question we asked was, okay, how do you do that? And, and that's where, to Pastor Corey's point, you know, we talked about, well, discipleship is relationship. If we look at how Jesus discipled others— it was in the context of community, in the context of relationship, that yes, there was teaching, yes, there was doing, there was all these things where when we look at the, the traditional understanding in the Western church culture of classrooms and Sunday school and Bible studies, we weren't trying to do away with those things. We were trying to find where do those things fit within the overall process of being conformed to the image of Christ? Because I think we all know, and we've probably all been around people that, man, they know the scriptures frontwards and backwards. They know all the right answers, and yet they are living in absolute sin. They're not following Jesus. or are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so just learning something does not necessarily equate to being conformed to the image of Jesus. And our next question there was, okay, if it's being conformed to the image of Christ, well, how do we do that? And where we debated and wrestled and, and, and had conversations with other people around, we ended up coming back to the idea of learning and, and doing and all these, these things that are traditionally understood as discipleship in the Western church are all great and are all tools that, that help us to be conformed to the image of Christ. But the primary vehicle through which those tools are applied is in the context of relationship. That if we're to be conformed to the image of Christ is to grow in relationship with Christ. That so the closer and more intimate you are with Him, the more you're going to look like Him. Well, just so happens the way God has designed that to work is through relationships with one another. Because, man, you leave me to my own devices, I'm the best Christian on the face of the planet because I, I'm I think I'm awesome. You put me in a room with other people, and they're going to highlight all the blind spots that I'm not aware of, and I'm going to very quickly realize. And I don't look as much like Jesus as I thought I did. And so we, we, we came to that understanding of, well, if relationship is the vehicle, the primary vehicle through which that growth takes place, then the next question we arrived at was, okay, then when does that begin? And this is really where, and Corey, I'll let you speak to this, but this was the, the, the number one question that I began to ask other leaders in our church that I found the most diverse responses to was that question of when does discipleship begin?
1: Yeah, we got a lot of similar answers, but a lot of diverse answers. But the common one was discipleship begins when a person starts to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when they accept His word and His truth for their life. And we really quickly realized, of course, in the Bible that that's not when discipleship began for Peter or James. It really began through a conversation, through engaging in relationship, to start the conversation, engaging in conversations with others so that they will know the love of Christ. So it started way before what we discovered in biblical truth, thank you for the Word of God, but really it discovers when you say hello to your neighbor, when you engage with someone at church for the first time when you engage in a conversation with your the other the fellow parents on your children's sports teams it starts there when you engage in conversations so that you can lead and really engage them in conversations about Jesus about church about the church community about God about his truths and not that you're entering in it in, in a preaching fashion but just how you live your life differently and set apart in a way So I do think that that first step, if you will, in our discipleship process, and we'll get to the four E's, but the four E's come from our Every Nation Global family. Each church utilizes the four E's a little bit differently. The first one is engage. Then you have establish, equip, and empower. And engage really just, that's the first step in the process or the journey of discipleship at Mosaic to engage others in conversation.
0: So if I could just ask a clarifying question. I'm with you. Like a, a lot of people think about disciples as being people who follow Jesus, and therefore disciple making is part of the sanctification process. But what it sounds like you're saying is that discipleship actually starts before people believe. There's uh, there's pre pre believers as we call pre Christians, you know, that we're discipling, and and I think that's what you're getting at. Am I, am I understanding that correctly?
1: That's right. But I like the term pre Christians or pre believers. That's <laughs> a new term for me. But yes, it starts way before they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior.
2: Yeah, and that part right there, that understanding, to me, I think once we kind of settled on that, that's what really set the trajectory of how we arrived at where we are today. Um, because if if discipleship was only started after you came to faith in Jesus, then then that means our discipleship process with other people wouldn't start until they've come to faith in Jesus, which which means, okay, well, then evangelism and discipleship then become two separate things, and the danger in that is then as as Christians, we can subtly buy into this misconception that, well, the evangelists do the evangelism and I just do the discipleship. And now I'm no longer living on mission. I'm simply gathering in the holy huddle of other believers where I'm just helping people become better in their Christianity and not necessarily connecting with non-Christians that God has placed all around me. And according to, to Acts chapter 17, Paul says he's done that on purpose so they might seek after him and find him because he's not far from them. And he's not far from them because I'm not far from them. And if he's with me, then he's near them. And so when we arrived at that place of discipleship begins when I say hello to somebody, I mean, that's when it began, when Jesus said hello to Peter, when he said hello to Matthew, that really set the trajectory of how we arrived at where we are. And, and honestly, the four E's were not where we initially went. We began to, to process through this idea of relationship and it beginning when we say hello and we were trying to see if our, if our core values of worship community and mission, if somehow those laid out a path that we could, we could begin to follow with discipleship at that point. And so we were wrestling through that. And, and really one of the things we talked through was just that the, the nature of relationships in general, like relationships are a step-by-step process in and of themselves. Uh, and we talked through like when I when I met my my now wife Melissa we were 17 years old and not not believers neither one of us knew Jesus both grew up in church but neither one of us were walking with Jesus and we met on a on a a muggy summer night in a, in Lilburn Georgia where I grew up and I was playing softball with some of my my buddies we were playing a pickup game of softball and she and one of my best friends uh, the girl I grew up with came up to hang out with us at the ball field and And uh, we like to say it was lust at first sight. Uh, It was definitely not a godly thing, but that was the first step in our relationship, saying hello. That then led to ongoing conversations, which then led to us spending more time with each other, which then led to her breaking up with her current boyfriend so that she and I could start dating, which then led to, to step after step after step eventually led to us getting engaged, which eventually led to us getting married, which then led to us having children, which now lead to where we are today. And so what we looked at was the very nature of relationships it is a step-by-step process that has these monumental defining moments that launch you into whatever the next season of that relationship is. But then each one of those seasons is filled with all these little micro steps, these little bitty moments that build one on top of the other, that eventually bring you to that next macro step in that relationship. And so as we looked at that, we said, man, if, if, if our relationships in general work that way, then it'll make sense that our relationship with Jesus works that way as well. So that's where we begin to try to process through what are the, the major steps in our relationship with Jesus and what are the the smaller micro steps that get us from one major step to the next. And that's where, that's where the four E's begin to, to emerge.
0: So we're kind of talking about right now is the first of the, the four E's. So the first one is engage. And I, I think you all have done a really good job of talking about what that looks like on a personal level. Maybe Corey, you could just help explain some of the things we do on a corporate level, on a churchwide level that fall into the bucket of engage.
1: Yeah, I think that on a corporate level, on, on a local body, it's easy at Mosaic to engage with others by an invitation. We are not a event-based church, but we do like to have events that make it easy an easy on-ramp to invite others to be around the community of believers. Whether that's the fall festival, which I know right now we are in COVID-19 <laughs> era, so there's not a whole lot of physical events, but that hasn't stopped us to, by engaging even in the technology that we have with Zoom calls, even in our community groups, it's an easy way to engage others, to invite them with an invitation to be around other fellow believers, we found that one thing that we could help our members with to engage others and to invite them is a little bit of an Explore God class in in, in a classroom to help have these conversations on a corporate level with like Explore Christianity and discovering who God is in a safe environment so that they might, because they might not ever attend Sunday morning, but you might be able to invite someone to an Explore god or christianity conversation at the corporate level so and yeah just sunday mornings speaking of also sunday mornings a lot of people are not going to come to sunday mornings unless you invite them i think that our sunday morning worship services are a beautiful place to invite people to see and to experience the love of god the welcome community that we have at mosaic i just i have such gratitude or the person who engaged my mother it was a co-worker who engaged my mother in relationship that led to my salvation for me to become who i am today was because someone engaged and then invited me and my now husband who again were not christians at the time but they invited us to sunday morning and then they invited us to sunday school that's old school there in in a baptist church in irving texas but that's how we learned that's how we heard that's how we discovered was through someone inviting us to corporate events or corporate gatherings within the church
0: so once we engage people and and they're starting to show some interest and they they engage back by showing up whether it's to a coffee conversation or to a Sunday service or to one of those classes what's the next quadrant what's the next block of what we want to move people to uh, in this discipleship process
2: Well uh, the next step then is to establish someone in the relationship with Jesus and his people. And and just let me go back just briefly to what Corey was just saying. And the importance of developing this process has allowed us to kind of filter and decipher what we were currently doing to to disciple people, because that also opened our eyes up to, well, what are we missing? And what Corey is referring to there is, is we've actually talked about developing this class of calling exploring Christianity or realizing there's a tool that we need to develop that we can put in the hands of our people that will allow them to engage people in that relationship, allow them to engage their neighbors. Because, you know, a lot of times we'll have coming conversations and and you might be building relationally with a neighbor or a coworker, and suddenly they've got questions about, well, you know, what about the crusades or how can God allow suffering in the world? Or, you know, they've got it. And our people may not all feel like equipped or ready to handle those kind of questions. And so to Corey's referring to this class, we're talking about developing and we're Dr. Smith is helping us develop that would basically be a, a softer invitation instead of saying, hey, would you come to church with me? It would be, hey, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to it, but my church has a class where we talk about those very things. Would you be willing to come to that class with me? And then I'll take you out to lunch afterwards and we can discuss it. And so the, the importance of coming up with a process through which you can screen the programs and the things that you're doing as a church not only helps you to, to figure out what are we what do we need to stop doing, but it also helps you figure out what do we need to start doing that we're not currently doing. And so once that engage step is in place and, and the relationship has begun to form and develop and they've responded back, they've engaged back. Then, Nathan, to your question, the next step would then be then to establish, uh, because if, if discipleship begins when I say hello to somebody, well, the next logical step is when they say hello to Jesus. They cannot be conformed to the image of Christ apart from a relationship with Christ. And so the next E is establish, and that is establishing someone in a relationship with Christ and then in relationship with his people, because, again, discipleship takes place in relationship. And that established part may take a year, it may take five years, it may take three days. That's up to the Holy Spirit. But if you engage somebody, then the the, the next step in that process is growing with them, building in that relationship, reflecting who Christ is into their lives to the place where they can come to the knowledge of who he is.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that Establish is definitely where people begin to enter in, in that relationship. They begin to explore the, the Bible and the foundational truths in different capacities at community groups, one-on-one, at coffee or meetings or gatherings. But yeah, Establish is the next step in the process or the journey of discipleship is really just establishing people and ourselves in a rhythm that creates continuity and consistency in learning who God is and how to walk with Him by shadowing other people who are already doing that ahead of us. And that can look like, again, our Foundations classes There are very foundational truths. I love our Foundations. It's a six-week class, but it is so rich. If you have not been in one of our foundational classes, it is fantastic. We have such a diverse group of teachers. It is a broad look at what we believe here at Mosaic Church. But that's how we begin to establish ourselves into the Word of God and into the community of believers. And I think after we establish, by go like entering into our community groups, entering into foundational biblical truths, we it's very fluid to go to the third step in the journey, in the process, which is equip. And that's really growing in our ability to minister by serving. And we, there are many places to serve, not just within the local body, but obviously outside of the local body. But serving missions, being, becoming a minister of reconciliation, serving in our M kids, in our student ministry, on the prayer team, at the coffee bar, greeters and ushers, in our community group. There are just different ways, but how we equip is by doing how we how we learn is by doing and he has called us to serve sacrificially and so the third step is the process is really just leaning even more into who god has called us to be which are servants of jesus christ
0: as I'm listening, of course, you know, there's, there's like, there's a little bit of bleed between all of these, you know, you you see how engage sort of bleeds into establish and, and then establishment sort of bleeds into equipping. Talk a little bit more about how we go about equipping people because it it is serving. That's part of it. That's kind of getting involved and growing your muscles and your ability to minister in a context, but there's a lot of learning involved here too. And and even some deeper expressions of life, maybe, maybe I could speak to those aspects as well of what it means to be come equipped.
2: Yeah, I, and I, I, love, I love the fact that you pointed out how they bleed in with one another. And again, I think that that is the nature of relationship. You know, I mean, if, if people ask me, when when did I know that I when did I when did I come to the knowledge of that I loved my wife, that I loved Melissa? I, I don't know. I, it, it went from saying hello to eventually me loving her. And somewhere in between there was bleed over. And it went from one step to the next, and so the th- same is true in this discipleship process and relationship with Jesus. That, that bleedover is just going to exist because discipleship is relationship, and that's where I think it's important to remember. It's not just the classroom. It's not just the the tools that Corey was mentioning. And you know, we use things like the Purple Book, the One to One Book, our Grow classes. We have a, a number of tools that we can put in people's hands to help the relationship grow, but the tools themselves are not discipleship. They are the tools that help the discipleship move along in in the context of that relationship. And so when we go from establish to equip, there's a number of things that we we have in place to help equip people as they grow as ministers of the gospel. We have our, our community groups that then lead into discipleship groups, which are smaller subsets of uh, gender-specific groups, four to five people. That they're they're people that are in a community group together, but then they they meet on the opposite weeks. So they break out and, and do life together in a smaller context where you can talk about more intimate situations, more intimate struggles. You can really begin to grow with one another and sharpen one another in that context. We also have our grow classes, which are you know theological training, theological equipping, talking about marriage and parenting and managing finances and understanding scripture and and knowing how to study your Bible and knowing who the Holy Spirit is and knowing how to pray. We have an array of classes that are designed to help people grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so they can take that biblical truth into the relationships God has placed them in and grow together in their pursuit of Christ. But I would also say engage or equip doesn't only happen in those classroom settings like foundations and grow and membership class. It it also, and I would say probably primarily happens in the context of those relationships because if, if, if I'm learning how to have a more gospel centered marriage, it's one thing for me to learn that and have that knowledge in my head. It's another thing for me to actually walk that out in relationship with my wife. What I'm required to have in my life to do that, as other people who are looking and watching and walking with me and are able to show me, like, hey, you probably shouldn't talk to your wife that way. <laughs> like, let's talk about what's going on in your heart there. And so okay. the equipping, the equipping, yes, it's a classroom setting in many regards, but it's it's also taking place on a day-in, day-out basis as we walk in relationship with one another and open our lives up to the scrutiny of people that we know love us.
1: Well, I think that what you immediately described or very well described is our discipleship groups. I think that's where that takes place. You said earlier, sometimes in community groups, it's not the right environment to point out someone's blind spots or to confess something that we're going through or to recognize one of our sin patterns that need to be dealt with in community. And I think our discipleship process and our discipleship groups is exactly where that happens is those one-on-one conversations where we have led them through the purple book or gone through the beautiful book of Genesis or walked them through the gospels and discover the, the forgiveness of Jesus the hope the grace the mercy the love where then they begin to turn because also that's what we what, what we're showing because as we have received the love of God we get to pour the love of God out to people and really on that one-on-one or two-on-one smaller group in the discipleship groups that's really where Equipping really takes a turn because we're entering into into deep relationships with each other and with God as we begin to trust God further in our in our in our lives, in certain areas, because we are walking with someone who does not shame us, who does not judge, who calls us to a higher standard because of the love of God. And I think that is beautiful what you described, Pastor Brett, of just what that looks like to be in a discipleship group, which really comes to play in the Engage part of the journey in the discipleship process at Mosaic.
0: And then this starts to sort of bleed into empowerment, which is leaderships taking people through this. But I would love to hear y'all unpack this a little bit more about how we sort of move from equip to empower, what that process looks like, what some steps you can take are as you move along in the process.
1: Yeah, first of all, I love the word empower. I think it is one of the greatest gifts to see people become free and empowered in their walk with Christ as they shed their old selves, insecurities, the shame, the judgment, as they forgive others. So their soul and their heart sets free. As they've gone through the discipleship process, all of a sudden they are just ready. They are ready to jump in, they are ready to lead, they're ready to move, and they've served and they've grown in truth and 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 the word, the knowledge of who God is. And so empower really looks like taking. the lead, stepping into places that might be uncomfortable because you've never done it before. You're, you're going on mission trips, you're serving in them kids, and in power, you're taking a ne- the next step of leading. And really, how I love empower, because what empower does, it takes you right back to engage. Because once you are empowered, all of a sudden you find yourself organically engaging others in relationship so that they can come to know Christ as their savior in hopes of that. So, empower really looks like on the church level, is just taking the lead. You know, you've been in a community group for two years, raising your hand and say, man, how do I lead a community group? How do I spin off, I guess, and have my own and welcome people into my house and engage in those conversations and lead those conversations? I've gone to St. Louis Potosi for three summers in a row. How do I lead that me- mission trip, Pastor Brett? It looks like, how do I take the lead in, in, in M-Kids becoming a lead teacher or doing the ministry moments or getting on that stage in M-Kids and leading those kids in worship or in the student ministry it really is stepping out in, in faith and in hopes to even grow further in, in what God has called you to, to do and who He has called you to be and that is beautiful and stunning to watch when people take that step um, into the empowerment process of discipleship
2: when you when you grasp the concept of discipleship being a relationship with Jesus walking in relationship with with one another, To me the empowerment part of the process just becomes necessary and essential because as we're growing in our love with for christ then we ought to be growing in our love for others which means we ought to be engaging more and more people which means more and more people ought to be coming into our discipleship process and just by just by sheer logic like there's only so many people that one person can build with relationally can disciple relationally So at some point that that number is going to reach a critical mass and we're going to need other people to take on some of those relationships. And so the way the kind of the organic process of what the four E's is allowing us to do of of putting it in that framework is as we're walking with people and helping them grow and, and become more like Jesus and mature in their faith. And new people start coming into that mix, then the the next logical step, having been equipped, is to then say, okay, are you ready to lead? Because I can't lead all these people. The three of us can lead all these people. We need more leaders in place. And so then it's, yes, we're going to launch a community group. You guys have been faithfully attending and committed and serving and helping lead in this community group, it's time for you to step up and lead. We're gonna get more GROW classes going, and so we need more people teaching those GROW classes. So We're gonna empower you to teach this GROW class because you have a gift of teaching. We need more mission trips going because there's more people that need to know Jesus, and we need more stuff done locally here of people that don't know Jesus, so we need more leaders. So it becomes this natural, just kind of organic progression. Whereas I've seen other discipleship processes in the past, even in, in our church where in previous leadership, I've tried to establish something where, again, it was a classroom-based 101, 201, 301, the baseball diamond graphic, where once you once you arrived back at home plate, you had arrived. You were a, a mature follower of, of Christ, e- even though you might've still been completely living in sin. And so it, instead of it being this checkbox process of discipleship that is more structured. What I feel God has given us with the four E's is a much more organic fluid structure that allows people to to kind of just naturally step into what that next macro step in the process and the relationship with Jesus is. And so we're, we're seeing people step up to the plate and, and and take on that leadership as we empower them and equip them to be who God's called them to be.
1: Well, that's where you find that people are doing the Great Commission, right? They're going out and discipling people, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit and the Son mm-hmm. and the Father. I said that backwards, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Teaching others to obey all that He has called us to do and believing that He is with us always. And He has equipped us. He is empowering us. He has engaged with us. Mm-hmm. He has established us in His love. So really empowerment is, is, is a culmination of all those places or spots or spaces or territories of the discipleship journey is just fulfilled. And then you go and you do, you make disciples. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. And it really, I'm going to use the word empower again, because it is powerful to see people engage others so that they know the love of Christ as they know it.
2: Yeah, it, it, it is powerful to see empowerment. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It's powerful to see empowerment.
2: That's right. Thanks and I'll tell you, Pastor Corey, one of the things I know you and I have talked about this a bit, and, and we share stories with each other all the time, but one of the things that I think is so incredibly energizing and, and, and encouraging to me is the, the, how much of that ministry is taking place outside of what we would probably consider our, our structured programs. Like it's taking place in neighborhoods. It's taking place in office spaces. People, people engaging their coworkers and their neighbors, not not because we've done a class or not because we've developed some program for them to do so, but because they've just kind of caught the DNA and they've they've grown in that relationship and they've been equipped and they're recognizing now the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And so that empowerment isn't just hey, lead within the, the some structured program of, of the church ministry. It's get out there and be who God's called you to be and lead the people that God has put around you. And so I, I love that we're seeing that happen in a much more fluid and organic way.
1: Yeah, it's really cool to see people launch into nonprofits and, and, and missions on the global level and on the local level as they are empowered really to get out of the holy huddle, which I also love that term now, um, <laughs> and engage others in the world for the sake of Christ.
0: Well, this has been really good and really enlightening. If you're if you're keeping track at home, just to, the, the four E's one more time, engage, which is really just start the conversation. Establish people belonging to Jesus and his people. I love that part. Equipping, growing in your ability to minister and empower, leading others in discipleship. One of the the sort of words, phrases or themes as I've just sat and listened to y'all talk today that keeps bubbling up is the idea of authentic organic. And sometimes I think we can resist framework to things that happen authentically and organically, because now it feels forced. Now it feels programmatic. Now it feels like you're trying to do something to me. You're trying to make me do your thing. And I know that is a lot of the resistance that you get into sort of pr- programmed discipleship. But the reality of, of it is that it is authentic. It is organic. We're we're not so much creating a process as we are naming what the process is. I like to think of it like handlebars on vision. You know, it's something for people to hold on to. So the, the vision has been there. the The processes have even been there. But the the better we can articulate it, the better we can engage with it, the better we can follow through with it, the better we can empower people to move through this process. And so on behalf of our church, I just want to thank the two of you specifically for working so hard on creating the handlebars, you know, you try to ride a bike with no handlebars; it's kind of hard, and you fall off. So y'all are giving our people something to hold on to. The bike was already there, but it's something to hold on to, so that so that we can take the journey together. So I love that. I love that. I love the authentic, authenticity of it. I love the organic nature of it, and I also love the relational piece of it. And, you know, if you really can focus on those three things, this is not a program that someone's trying to move you through to completion. This is a lifelong journey that's never ending. And there should always be new people coming in and going out of the different phases of this process in our lives. I'm just sort of reflecting back what I'm hearing y'all say today, practicing reflective listening on the podcast. So I'm telling you back what I'm hearing you say, and I love every single bit of Mm -hmm. it. I hope that it really helps our people understand what we're doing and how we're doing it. If people have questions about about this, can they reach out and talk to you and better understand our, our discipleship process?
2: Absolutely. If you have any questions, email Pastor Corey. She can answer all of your huh. questions.
1: I will oh, forward those to Pastor. Just email <laughs> for sure.
0: Well, thank y'all so much for being on our podcast today. I know this is going to really help and encourage people along the way as they try to follow Jesus and help others to do the same. Y'all are amazing leaders, pastors, and friends. I'm so grateful to know you, and I'm glad you're with us today. Have a good one. Yeah, appreciate you having us, man.
1: Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays Are For Talking. For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.